there were a group of us standing around the hallway. We were in college, and we were just having a random conversation. And then down the hall, we heard shrieking, and we knew that meant one of a couple things. Either someone was coming with a paintball gun or something else to pelt people with, or there was a streaker on the floor. But either way, either way, it was not a good thing. And so as we were having this conversation and we heard the shrieking, I'm like, it's time to get this door closed and to make sure that I'm safely behind a locked door. We had the door jam in the door to keep it open because they were heavy self-closing doors and the, the door jam was there. And as we heard the shrieking, I took the door jam out and said, I'm closing the door. And it was heavy, and I gave it a little push, and it swung to close, but it didn't latch. And all of a sudden, I heard screaming. And I looked, and there was my roommate. And he's holding his hand. Because as he was having the conversation, he stood with his hand up in the door jam not realizing that his fingers were there. And when I said, I'm closing the door, he didn't have time to process to take his hand out of the door jam. And so it was just a huge, huge collision between his middle finger and the door. It didn't break. It wasn't completely crushed. It did turn all black and blue, and his nail fell off, and it was really disgusting. Uh, but then he'd go around showing everybody his middle finger without a, a nail, which was slightly humorous after, the, after, all of the, after all of the pain had subsided because I didn't look carefully. I was just in a hurry to get the door closed. That's all that I cared about was just getting the door closed. And in life, frequently, what happens, either because we're in a hurry or because we just have other things on our mind, we tend not to pay special attention to a lot of things. And sometimes that isn't a problem at all. But sometimes that becomes a really big issue. And there are times when we live our lives that we just put it on cruise control, as we talked about last week within the context of relationships. But even beyond that, we can just go through the motions. We can just be going one day to the next day to the next day. Each and every day, just another event. We just go on cruise control. And sooner or later, what happens is we are no longer paying attention to the people around us, but we're not paying attention to ourselves either and how we're living and what we're doing. And we're given a warning against this that we're going to look at today, and we're going to see how this warning goes hand in hand with instruction for us on how to live our lives. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us this morning in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can find in whatever app store you utilize. And once the Bible app's installed on your device, there are a number of great features. The feature that we use every single week together is called Events. And once you open up the Events feature within the Bible app, you can either enable your locations or just write in Lakeside Algoma will pop up. You can follow along with us that way. You can take notes right there on your device. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in the New Testament book 
of Ephesians, the New Testament book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking today. If you're joining us via the stream this morning, thanks so much for joining us. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team here at Lakeside. The verses will be available for you on the screen below. We're going to dive into Ephesians 5 in just a minute. Just want to just want to catch you up in case you haven't been able to be with us over the course of the last couple months now. We've been talking all about relationships. We've been talking about God's design, how we can honor God within His design. We've been talking about unique challenges over the course of the last three weeks. We've talked about the unique challenges that we see over and over and over again when relationships end. And we looked specifically at family tension, at finances, and at sexual struggles or sexual tension. Those are the top three reasons that marriages fail. And we looked at God's plan and His perspective for all of those things. And what we're going to see today, today we're going to see a way that if we will follow God's plan, we can head off so much of that trouble. We can just stop it before it even starts. It really is a prevention strategy for us, so we don't even have to we don't even have to get to the point of those more difficult situations and circumstances. Ephesians 5, now again, we're not walking through the whole book of Ephesians, so let me catch you up. Ephesians was written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, as all scripture is, by the Apostle Paul in a letter to a church at Ephesus. That Ephesus was a city, hence the name Ephesians. And he's writing about all kinds of different issues that the church in Ephesus is facing. And when we get to Ephesians 5, he starts to talk about Christian conduct. And so we're going to dive in in Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. I'm going to read those right now. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we could spend a couple months just tearing this apart, and, and we're not obviously going to do that this morning, but here's what I want you to, to just take home. that The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and tells them this is the way the people who love and follow Jesus are to model community. This is the way that you are to conduct your life if you are a follower of Jesus. Here is what you do. Here is how you live. And, and so we were given the list that if you love and follow Jesus, you're to, be, you're to be wise. You make wise decisions. You choose wisdom. You prioritize things well. You make things a, prior, a priority. You, don't be drunk. Instead, be focused on God. Act as God wants you to in your life uplift and encourage one another be thankful have an attitude of gratitude and submit to one another these are the ways the people who love and follow jesus are called to live in community now these are community standards this is what god wants every person who loves and follows jesus to model in the church and in their life so i have a question if these are community standards, 
what should the standards be amongst those of us? What should we model to those we love? Should we raise that bar to even a higher level, or should we lower the bar? And what happens frequently in relationships is we treat, we treat our spouse, the person we should treat the best, the worst. We treat them like they're pajama clothes, okay? Now, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I have multiple, multiple shirts at this point in my life that Brooke's like, mm, you're not leaving the house in that. Like, that's, that's just, she's like, yeah, don't, don't wear that out anymore. I'm like, it's just a small hole. It doesn't matter. She's like, no, just throw it away. I'm like, but it's comfortable. I've just started to break it in. And, and some of you know this because some of you have a pair of jeans older than me, like still laying around the house. And you're like, yeah, they're just broken in. And I will own these until the day that I die. And I mean, not that your spouse wants you to die, but they're like, if the options are, you know, maybe, maybe willing to get rid of those jeans after all. So, most people have a set of clothes that are pajamas clothes. They don't wear out. And if you choose to wear them out, other people take your picture and catalog you on the internet. I mean, frequently people wear them to Walmart for whatever reason, but most of the time there are pajama clothes, and then you, you contrast that with the clothes that you wear when you go to work or you go to school or you go out on a date. And they're much different. They're much different. You put in a little time, you put in a little effort, you make sure they look good, you make sure that they're clean. You wouldn't wear those clothes to bed because they're better. And, and your pajamas clothes, yeah, they're, they're a little more comfortable, but they're, they're not the best looking thing. And what happens in relationships is we get so comfortable, we get so familiar with one another, instead of giving each other our best, we start to treat the people we love the most and who are the closest to us the worst. And we can blame it on exhaustion, we can blame it on stress, we can blame it on a hundred different things. But it doesn't change the fact that if these are community standards, we need to be even better to the person that we have made a promise before God that we would spend the rest of our lives with. And so how can we do that? Well, now the Apostle Paul starts to starts to break that down for us within the context of marriage. Ephesians 5.22 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, coming off the community standards, now we get personal. And now the Apostle Paul breaks it down, and he says, Wives, this is your role. This is what you need to do. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, I know culturally that there are a million red flags going up right now. But doesn't change the message of Scripture. And, and you might be struggling. You might be wrestling with you. So you might say, but why do I have to? And remember, we can't, just, we can't just remove this from the context. We did see in Ephesians 5.21 what? That there is to be an attitude of mutual submission. There is to be an attitude for those who love and follow Jesus of mutual submission. 
And so it is, it is not right or proper for somebody to look at somebody else and say, well, submission is your job, and it's not something that I have to. No, we are called to mutually submit. But there are going to be times that there's a stalemate. There are going to be times where there's just tension. And a, an answer, it just can't be figured. And Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then he takes it a step further. As to the Lord. Saw a couple husbands sit up a little taller right there. Think, hey, maybe you should address me a little differently. I'm not going to go there. You guys figure that out, all right? You figure that out. But the instruction is clear. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. He isn't the Lord. Don't say amen. He isn't the Lord. But I said don't say amen. <laughs> but to submit to him as to the Lord. And then he goes on. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The husband is the head of the wife. And this isn't something that you lord over them. This isn't something that you're now on a power trip. You're like, yeah, I'm in charge. No. What's the whole design? That if the husband is the head of the wife, then what we see is that there's one body. And there's one unit. And that you're unified in the same way. And Paul's, Paul points back to Jesus in the church. In that same way, your marriage should function. Then we get to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives. And you're like, I don't love her. In the same way that Jesus gave himself up for us. Love her in a way that is self-sacrificing. Love her in a way that you hold her up. That you keep her best interest at the forefront of your mind. That is what drives your decisions. This is God's design. This is God's plan. Now notice, he goes on, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves him Self. What does Jesus do for the church? He protects the church. He serves the church. He takes care of the church. Husbands, that's your call. That is your responsibility. 
that you protect your wife. When you hear the noise at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're like, well, do we just lay here and die together or do I go check it out? You go check it out. Now, if you want to wake her up to make sure that you guys go out together, I think that's kind of romantic. But, you know, you decide that yourselves. And there's no sense one of us going to glory before the other. Let's go. We're a team, right? I mean, but, but you take the lead. You take the lead. You protect her. Husbands, you set the tone. You serve her. You serve her. You set the tone in service. Don't wait for her to initiate serving you. You set the tone. You serve her. You take care of her. She's at the forefront. And before your needs are met, before your wants are met, you talk to her and make sure that her needs are met and her wants are met. And notice what he says in verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Again, what do we see? This picture of oneness. One body, one unit. This is God's design. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let that sink in. Because in an age, in a culture of individuality, we've missed this. And we've lost sight of it along the way. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so it's, be, it's become popular in our culture, in our society, to be like, hey, I, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. It's messed up. It's flawed. It's a wreck. It's a, it's a mess. But I love Jesus. And it's become popular in our society to bash your spouse. And not, not in a playful way, but in a way that's, that's really rooted in the condition of the heart. And rather than have the conversation with them, it's to air the grievance with your mother or your friends. And in the same way, and these, these, these things correspond. Let's not miss that. Because it's a, it's a cultural affront that goes contrary to God's design. And in the same way, that, that if somebody came up to me and said, hey, Brian, I, I love you. I'm like, all right, let's talk. They're like, but, man, I really hate Brooke. You're like, hmm? Do you know us? Because most people, if they're going to pick one, <laughs> I'm just kidding, they'd pick me. Uh, but no. <laughs> and you might be like, but 
how does this correspond? Because culturally, culturally, when we do not view our spouse the way that God wants us to and designs us to, it creeps. It creeps into our relationship. And when we do not view Jesus and his bride as God designed us to look at it and to see it, we rob ourselves of the full experience and intimacy of following after our Savior and experiencing the best life that we could experience. It is not an accident that Paul built the correlation under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to Jesus and the church as he did to a husband and a wife. And those are both things that are under attack in our society. And they're both vitally important to God's original plan and his design. Verses 29 and 30 say this, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Again, within the context of relationships, husbands, what we see here, again, is you have to take care of her like she is your own self. Like she is you. Take care of her that way. That is your charge. That is your responsibility. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, we see here God's design. The Apostle Paul is quoting Genesis. We go back to, we see God's original plan in Genesis chapter 2. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother. He cleaves to his wife. And now they are one. And let me tell you one of the biggest problems that we see in relationships. And it's simply this. We live in a culture of me. And when you're married, you need to forget about me and focus on we. And our society says... That's ancient. That's old school. That prohibits you from reaching your full potential. That ties you down. That holds you back. If they can't get on board with you putting you first, then they don't deserve you. Shine. And I simply ask, how's that working out for us? We can look at divorce rates, but we can look at satisfaction rates too. And the message of Jesus is completely the opposite. You want a fulfilling relationship? Okay, focus on yourself. Dying to yourself. Let 
and elevating your spouse. God's design and God's plan is that me, it disappears. The moment we make the vow before God and others, and it now becomes we. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. How do, what do we do with this? What, what are the takeaways? Oh, they're this. Husbands, love your wife. Like you love yourself. Love your wife. Protect her. Serve her. Provide for her. Her needs are greater than your needs. Set the tone. Love her well. And if you ever get to a point where you're like, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how to love her well. Then ask yourself this question. What would Jesus do in this circumstance? How would Jesus respond? Wives, respect your husbands. Hold them in high regard. Honor them. Cherish them. And yes, I'll say it, because Scripture does. Submit to them. And when we look at our culture, and we look at our society, and we look at our problems, here are the problems. And this is in no order. But here are the problems. Women don't want to submit, and men don't want to lead. Let's attack those. Some of you are like, yep, that's the problem right there. Them broads don't want to submit. And if they'd submit, all these problems would be gone. Let me tell you the problem. Yeah, you're right. A lot, of, a lot of women don't want to submit. But neither do you. And sometimes neither do I. We can't delete Ephesians 5.21 that we have to submit to one another. And we can't erase the fact no matter how long we followed Jesus. You know, I'm good with about 95% of what God calls me to do. I'm like, I love that. That's great. I can get on board. But there's about 5% that's a struggle. And it's hard. And I don't like it. And I don't want to. I know I'm called to, and I know enough to know that I, I will just follow God's plan 
and his rules, that it's going to lead to more fulfillment. I know that. I don't want to do it sometimes. And neither do you. And it's always easier to look out the window than it is in the mirror. And it's always easier to say, well, look at how they don't submit than it is to look in the mirror and say, but oh, this is my struggle too. And then you put on top of that this idea that if you follow God's plan, if you follow God's design, that you're weak. And you aren't reaching your full potential. And that you're letting somebody walk all over you. It builds confusion and it builds angst. And so we've reached a society and a culture where we've been told, don't submit to anyone. One problem we see is women don't want to submit. And men, they don't want to lead. Like, oh, you're going to be my wife and my mother? Awesome. Score. I don't have to do anything except listen to you complain about it. I can tune you out. Every husband's learned how to do that. This is great. God's called you to lead, but sometimes leading's tough. And it requires more work. And it requires you to put other people first. So if you tell me somebody's going to put me first, that's cool. I'll let them. Here's the problem. At some point, there's going to be frustration. At some point, there's going to be tension. At some point, things aren't going to operate as well as they could. And you're going to scratch your head, and you're going to wonder why, and then you're going to start to point fingers, and you're going to start to blame. And the problem is that we're operating outside of God's design. Every single time we do, it leads to tension. It leads to struggle. And it leads to strife. We've bought into the lie that submission equals weakness. We've bought into the lie that if I'm going to submit, that means I'm lesser than. We've bought into the lie that I don't need to leave my family. 
And we've arrived at the point we have. And I, I know, I know that some of you are struggling today. I know that some of you hear this and you're like, eh, I don't know about this one. That's all right. Because it's not coming from me. This is God's design. This is God's plan. That we would live in such a way collectively and then personally and relationally we would take that to another level. Wives, that you would submit and respect your husbands Husbands, you would love your wives with a sacrificial love and that we would together see that there is no more me as soon as we're married and that the we operate as one. God, I pray that you would help us live and function as you have called us to live and function. Pray for the marriages that are struggling, the people in them that are hurting. And I pray that we would all have a time of self-reflection. Help us live and help us function in community and in our marriages the way that you have designed us to, God. And the messages from culture and the noise which distracts. Let us analyze and let us test. And let each day that we live be an opportunity for us to love and serve our spouse. That it would be a picture, God, of a great relationship, but it would also be a picture of something even more incredible. And that's a picture of your love for us. I pray, God, for the marriage that's on life support. spouses that are ready to throw in the towel. I pray they'd try it differently. I pray they'd try it your way. I pray for the people on the verge of entering into a relationship, entering into a marriage. And I pray that there'd be a commitment. No matter the message of culture, follow your design and your plan. And I pray, God, that every relationship that strives to do that 
Jesus. You would bless beyond our imagination. Bring fulfillment and joy. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.